Class, your attention, please. But your teacher has a rule. Ladies and gentlemen, class is in session. Welcome to the premiere episode of the Classic Match Classroom. I am your professor, Tyler Wolf, joined as always by the prodigy over here, Anthony. It's, uh, it's raining here in Brooklyn. It's a horrible day, but it's a great day to be podcasting. Beautiful to sit here with my favorite Canadian, Canada's greatest export, if you will, outside of the Raptors and Bret Hart himself. Uh, but I'm ready to get into this. I've been waiting so long to start off the Classic Match Classroom. So why don't you tell everybody that's listening what exactly the premise behind our show is here? Uh, I'm gonna take you. I'm gonna take you to school here, my friend. We're gonna we're gonna relive some history. Yes, as if going back to school next week wasn't enough for me. I got another class on top of this, and it is the classic match classroom. I have not seen being a younger fan, born in 2002. I have not seen a lot of the most iconic matches of all time, or I've seen bits and pieces of them. So, in telling Tyler a lot of the matches that I've never seen before. He told me that it would be in our best interest if we started a show to document my journey in watching some of these amazing matches. And that's what we are here uh, to do today and for the foreseeable future is we are going to sit down. You know, he sends me a lot of different clips, uh, not just the match, but the buildup of the matches. And uh, we're going to get here every week. And kind of just discuss the match, you know, my first impressions, his, however many times he's seen the match impressions. Um, and, you know, we're just going to talk about the buildup, what we liked, what we didn't like, and what we really grade these matches, uh, looking at them from a more experienced fan's eyes and a newer fan's eyes. Absolutely. And me being the old man that I am, I am more than happy to educate. Uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for you, Anthony, and your knowledge. And it is going to be a lot of fun to go through this and show you some of the greatest matches in professional wrestling history. Uh, we're going to start out with big one here. Uh, I think the first couple of weeks, we're going to do a couple of big ones. I'm going to hit you with some deep cuts along the way. Uh, but I decided uh, for our first lesson, if you will, we are going back to 1996. Uh, slash 1997 we're going to be talking about the legendary rivalry with bret hart versus stone cold steve austin this is so big that we must break this up into two parts lesson one if you will uh, is going to be all about the build-up to survivor series 1996 uh, and then you will have some homework for next week as we get ready to roll into the very famous legendary i quit match at wrestlemania 13 so much to talk about in this feud are you ready to begin class? Ring the bell. Class is in session. Our lesson is going to begin right now. And before we get into the very beginning, Anthony, I need to know, as a younger fan who has probably only just heard about this feud, what exactly is your knowledge of Bret Hart versus Steve Austin before I gave you your homework for the week? So I know about the feud simply because you know it's wrestlemania history it's the greatest match of all time in many people's eyes um i know the iconic moments and this is going to be a trend for 
basically every episode um, besides like the deep cuts is that I know the moments. And I think I, uh, I'll i know a lot of the moments that happen in this feud and re-watching a lot of the uh, segments and the matches themselves, I'm going to know certain things and clips. But this is the first time that I'm ever seeing the full uh, story play out. So as far as Brett and Austin goes, you know, I actually knew a lot more about the WrestleMania 13 match, and I knew more about the Survivor Series built. Um, quick things, you know, obviously we'll talk a lot about Pillman. Um, you know, I knew about those segments. Uh, uh, we'll talk about in WrestleMania 13, the last few moments of that match. I knew all about that, but this is, like I said, the first time that I'm seeing all of it in its entirety and how it plays out is just, wow. <laughs> yeah, they don't make them like this anymore. The, the sense of reality that you get out of this feud is fantastic. And that starts all the way back at WrestleMania 12, uh, Bret Hart losing the Iron Man match, Shawn Michaels. Uh, the clip that I sent you is, uh, and this is a very famous clip as well, of Bret Hart being followed backstage by the cameras, sitting there, kicking the paparazzi out of the room, get out, get out, and he leaves the building. Poor sportsmanship being shown by Bret. He's upset. Cue a couple days later, they send him uh, a camera crew over to Germany, and you get this really genuine um, almost like a shoot style promo where Bret Hart is contemplating, do I retire? Am I going to go to WCW? I could, could never ever see working for uh, another organization because I think it would be a step down. And, uh, you know, as I understand, there's certain uh, wrestling organizations that th seem to be throwing a lot of money around. Uh, but I'd like to make it very well understood that that I'm not somebody that's greedy for money. I'm always, uh, I'm, I'm a person that's greedy for respect. And uh, the only place I'm ever gonna get respect is in the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, this is in 1996, you know, stuff like that didn't happen back then. And it was, you know, this is before the internet and Facebook and all that stuff really was a huge thing. You thought that, wow, maybe Bret Hart is going to be leaving the company. Uh, you didn't hear them talk about WCW on air a lot. And this is really the first time that the WWF kind of acknowledged that Vince was the boss. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I watched this promo and immediately I thought to myself, when was the last time that you saw a location promo like this? You know, you see the segments every now and then outside the arena, you know, uh, at the home. When have you seen something to the, the degree of going to Germany and cutting this promo? So I thought that was just an amazing uh, visual right there. And it made it even more realistic. And that's really what I love about this promo is the realism in everything that he says. It doesn't feel that he's like reading from a script. Uh, that's a trend that I've seen for Brett's promos throughout this entire feud is that it doesn't feel like he's really reading off a script or that he has these bullet points. It feels like he's just talking off the cuff here. And I, I don't know how you feel about this, but almost in this promo, it feels eerily foreshadowing the screw job because there's a line that I'll never forget that he says, I'm not greedy for money. I'm greedy for respect. And that stuck I with me it's... throughout this entire feud. And I think it's just, it speaks volumes about everything that we're going to see, not just with Brett and Austin, but with Brett and Michaels, with Brett and McMahon going forward uh, in his Attitude Era run. 
Yeah, and I love that line that Brad Hart says. And and I, I really believe that he means it too. Because in reality here, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but Brett did turn down a very lucrative offer from WCW because Vince offered him a 25-year contract, which is crazy. So it, it's like you can believe in this hitman character. like And especially me on the Canadian side, Bret Hart was a hero to us here. And he wanted to be a hero to children. He wanted to be a hero all over the world to people. He took his character very seriously. And I, I believe him when he says, I'm not greedy for money. I'm greedy for respect. And, and he felt like he was disrespected coming out of WrestleMania. And, and we'll keep going into that. So Bret Hart is off TV now. And while Bret Hart's off TV, you know, Shawn Michaels has got his run going, but very, very slowly building underneath the surface, something that nobody saw coming is the rise of the ringmaster at the beginning of the year, <laughs> uh, stunning Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, however you want to know him as. This guy catches fire in 96. And to just show how far we come by the beginning to the end of the year, this very same WrestleMania that uh, Shawn Michaels wins and Bret Hart goes home, Steve Austin is still being billed as the ringmaster with the million-dollar belt accompanied by the million-dollar man, and he fights Savio Vega on the card. So huge, huge rise here. Right. Um, but a lot of things happen to, to help him get to that level. You can't sleep on a moment like the curtain call in Madison Square Garden. Mm. where uh, Razor and Diesel, it was their last night in the company. And then Sean, and, Sean and, and Triple H said, you know what? We're coming out to celebrate with our friends. Razor, Diesel, Sean, they're all in the ring, throwing up the click sign. Well, you can't punish Sean because he's the world champion. And you can't punish Hall and Nash because they're gone. Triple H was pegged to be the 1996 King of the Ring winner. And he had to take all the heat for that. So that opened up the door for Steve Austin to win and now you have the birth of one of the most famous promos of all time, the Austin 316 promo. I got a question for you. Absolutely. Do you think without the curtain call and without Triple H you know, being pegged to, let's say the curtain call never happens, Triple H is king of the ring. Do you think Austin 316 and Steve Austin rises to the, uh, to the degree that he did in the Attitude Era? I don't know if we would have gotten Austin 316, but I do think that Austin would have risen because that character, there was something organic and raw about that character that I think caught people's attention. Um, but I don't think that I would be wearing a shirt right now that says Austin 316 if he was not in that exact moment at that exact time with Jake the Snake Roberts, who was doing that religion gimmick at the time. And if Michael Hayes didn't walk by him and go, hey, Jake, just cut a religious promo off you. That promo was all off the cusp. That was Austin just going out there and cutting a promo based on what Jake had said to him. Good point. Right? So I don't think that we see Austin 316, but I do think that we see the rise of Steve Austin. So as we carry on here, though, everybody always thinks that after this Austin 316 promo that he was a superstar right away. Well, he was not. You know, July and August and, and the beginning of September, he wasn't doing anything. You know, he fought Wildman Mark Merrow at the July pay-per-view. He was on the pre-show of SummerSlam that year in a one-minute match against Yoko Zuna. It wasn't until he came out uh, being interviewed by his former friend and a man who I want to segue into right now, Brian Pillman, where he was cutting a promo about challenging for the Intercontinental Championship. And all of a sudden, he just called out Bret Hart. Looking beyond me being the next Intercontinental Champion, I'd like to take this chance to get something off my mind that's been eating at me for a long, long time. Please go right ahead, Steve. 
I'd like to use this chance to issue a challenge against one breath that hit man heart. What? Whoa. And a little thing, you know, and let's let's talk about Brian Pillman here before we get into this promo. Um, how much do you know about the history of Brian Pillman and Steve Austin, Anthony? Surprisingly, well, as far as the history between Austin and uh, Pillman, I knew that they were the Hollywood Blondes, right in WCW. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with the uh, the uh, what are they, the movie clappers or whatever they're called? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I knew that you know all that. Uh, I never really watched a lot of their matches. Obviously, if I never seen Bretton Austin, I definitely didn't see any of the Hollywood Blondes matches. Um, as far as Pillman himself, I actually know. A bit about him simply because I watched the dark side of the ring done about him, which was really, really well done. Um, so I know about, you know, why he's the interviewer in this segment. Uh, you know, I know about the accident with Pillman, how he hasn't wrestled by that point. Uh, so I know a, a decent amount about him. And I definitely know about the Hollywood Blondes. Perfect. Did you know that the chain that Steve Austin wears was given to him by Brian Pillman? I did not. Wow. Yeah, that big gold chain that he always has on, that was a gift Pillman got that for him back in their Hollywood Blonde days. Wow. Um, So I like that they never acknowledge that they were a tag team, but they always would talk about that they had history together. I always thought that was a nice touch. And I thought Brian Pillman did something so great that was so small in this promo. And I don't know if people picked up on it or not, but when Austin called out Bret Hart, Pillman gave him a look like, what are you doing? You know, it's like he was almost torn immediately. Like, Bret Hart's my guy. Like, I trained with his family. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a heart. I'm an unofficial heart. Why are you calling out Bret? And, you know, and they kind of mentioned it on commentary. Oh, Pillman didn't look happy about that. Little things that foreshadowed it, right? Little things. But to me, this is where Steve Austin really became stone cold Steve Austin. And this is where I think this was the start of that persona really getting to shine and people starting to take notice of Steve Austin right now. And the promo is building up to this. He's calling out Bret Hart all the time. Um, I believe it was at the in your house mind games pay-per-view where, where Pillman was promising Bret Hart, I will get you Bret Hart. And instead he brought Owen out. They made fun of Bret and Austin came out and he cut uh, one of my favorite lines in this entire build. As soon as I rolled into the WWF, Bret Hart, you packed your bags and took your carcass back to Canada. Are you trying to say Bret Hart's a chicken? Bret Hart doesn't even qualify as being a chicken. He's a slimy substance that runs out of the south end of a chicken. Let me make myself clear. If you put the letter S in front of Hitman, you've had my exact opinion of Bret Hart. All right, I don't think we have to go there. I don't think we have to go there at all. People weren't talking like this in 1996. So this is where, in my opinion, this feud, it was, was really where the seeds got planted for the whole Attitude Era. And I don't know, I want to, I want to get your take on that a little bit, because everyone always says the Attitude Era was born with Steve Austin stunning Vince McMahon and that whole rivalry. But to me, Bret Hart and Steve Austin is where we really got the seeds planted for the beginning of how this direction would be taken in the company. Well, you actually give a lot of great context there on that. I didn't even know that Austin wasn't was really like directionless after that Austin 316 promo going against Mark Marrow on the pre-show with Yokozuna. I didn't actually know all this. And I also am one to consider uh, that, you know, King of the Ring to be the start of the Attitude Era. However, 
now that I'm seeing that there's more of a direction for Austin uh, going with Brett here, I would honestly have to agree with you that this is more of a definitive start to the Attitude Era. Um, and I, I really, during these you know few promos that we're talking about with Pillman, earlier on, I was a little confused of where Pillman's allegiance really lied here uh, because, you know, he was kind of earlier on in the first promo, uh, you know, kind of egging Austin on like he was buddy buddying with him. Once he challenges Brett, boom, he's like, what are you doing? And that was kind of the vibe that I got throughout was that Pillman was right dead in the middle. Uh, at the same time, however, it didn't feel like Austin was really aligned with Pillman at all. You know, this yeah. is completely Austin 316. It's completely, uh, you know, I'm not going to be friends with you or anything. So I really like that dynamic. Um, yeah, I mean, and in the in the Mind Games promo, Pillman's just great on the mic, just egging the crowd. Be even before uh, Owen came out, you know, he was just doing great. And you put Owen Pillman and Austin in a ring together with Mike's, you know, that's exactly what you're going to get that line with a uh, hitman with the S in front of it. Just great all around. So yeah, I would definitely say that like that, that promo of uh, Austin challenging Brett, I would say that's got to be one of the key moments to start the attitude era. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so now as we move on though, Brett Hart is being announced that he's coming back to Monday night raw. And he's going to give an announcement about his future. But when it comes right down to it, to everything I've ever done and everything I ever plan on ever doing, I owe it all to my WWF fans. And I won't be going anywhere. The WWF, well, I'll be with the WWF forever. Whoa. What did you, I, I sent you this clip. It was in two parts on YouTube here and all the links for everything we talk about are going to be listed below. So you guys can follow along. The class can follow along with what we're talking about here. Um, how did you feel that they presented this promo? Because to me, this was really like, they kept showing Vince being emotional when Brett was talking about his future. And, and you know, that, that, that's like, okay, Vince is the boss. We get this now. Vince McMahon is, is the boss of the WWF. Um, they're acknowledging this now, which I thought was nice. He's not just this flamboyant, out-of-control commentator yelling, what a maneuver all the time, right? He's, <laughs> he's the boss guy, all right? And, and Vince, I thought, was great in this role. I thought Brett's delivery was great in this role. Um, let's talk about part one of the promo here where he announces, uh, you know, and he put over WCW very well in the promo. He mentioned them, I believe, that, or he mentioned he got a very lucrative offer. Um, how did you feel part one of this promo was portrayed? Uh, question for the professor. Um, when did they start to acknowledge Vince as the boss? Because they definitely acknowledge it here. But I don't think this was the first, you know, uh, mention of this. So when did they start? It was right around this time period. Oh, was it? Um, okay. You know, it all like people kind of always assumed it, but from an on-air presence, this was this was the beginning of that. This was right. the very beginning of, of Vince being looked at as more than a commentator. Right. Um, you know. Brett mentions him at the beginning of 96 in that promo in Germany. I believe he does. And this is like, this was like officially like Vince's coming out party as I'm the owner of the company without oh. saying so much. Okay. So, yeah. So in that regard, you know, I, you know, clarifying that, cause I wasn't really sure when it started, but you know, I think they pulled this off really well. And I loved 
them going back and forth to, you know, Vince going back to Brett. And then once he says that he's staying, you know, the Vince, you know, kind of whip, uh, you know, drying the sweat off his eyebrow. Yeah. All right. All right. You know, <laughs> hanging the crowd yeah, on yeah. Uh, great Absolutely. stuff. Um, and I do love that Brett, you know, kind of kept acknowledging uh, the enemy, if you will, in WCW and getting that lucrative contract. Um, like I said, it just adds on to that realism in this uh, this mm-hmm. whole feud and everything that Brett says, it just feels real. And I think that they pulled this off really well and kind of mm-hmm. blurred the lines between, I guess, kayfabe and behind the scenes of you don't really know if Brett, you know, the fans don't know if Brett's going to stay. But at the same time, the boss doesn't know if Brett's going to stay. And that kind of blurs yeah. that line. And I love how real that feels and how real it gets. Mm-hmm. And Brett keeps the realness going in this promo. He talks about his nephew that passed away from the very rare flesh eating disease yeah. that he had, which is a true story, by the way, that that is a very true story. Um, so he channeled into that and then he takes all that and he turns it into Steve Austin. Now, if anybody wants to watch a promo on how to put your opponent over where it means something, you watch Bret Hart talk about Steve Austin right now. Shawn Michaels is the world champion in the company. Bret Hart says, I'm coming back because I want to fight the best wrestler in the company. He did not mention Shawn Michaels. He said Stone Cold Steve Austin is the best guy in the company. Promo one-on-one, you build up the person that you're fighting. So it means something if you beat them. If he were to come in here and go, Steve Austin sucks, and he just runs his mouth, well, it's a lose-lose because if you beat him, well, who cares? You beat somebody that you portrayed as a bum. But if he beats you, you lost to a bum, right? Pro wrestling one-on-one, put your opponent over, guys. And this is exactly what happened. <laughs> this was the the, the official um, announcement that this match is happening. Anthony, let's take your thoughts on this one. Oh, man. The second half of the promo was just as good as the first half. Uh, I love also Pillman. Again, we're going to keep going back to Pillman on this, but I love him yeah. once uh, Brett says that he wants to face Austin he's in the back kind of like cheering on and Austin's like will you stop (laughs) you know he was uh and then I think even at the end uh Pillman comes out after the promo and doesn't he kind of embrace with Brett a little bit I think I saw that yeah uh, yeah they do a walk by and he gives him the little good to have you back hitman type and it doesn't even feel like Brett's really on his side either so I kind of like that Pillman's in the middle of these two guys and kind of choosing who he wants meanwhile both of these guys could give a shit about uh Austin uh I could give a shit about Pillman uh which I think is a little funny nod there um yeah I mean he like you said he really puts over uh Austin I think he does mention uh sean but i think that's even better that he does slightly mention him because you're setting the bar there with sean as your world champion yeah mentioning him and now you're saying that you want to face the best wrestler well it's not sean it's austin i've decided to accept the challenge of the best wrestler in the wwf today And in the Survivor Series, I will face Stone Cold Steve Austin. So I think that just adds to the build of this match and makes it literally, if it wasn't must-see already, makes it even more must-see. And what it does also is it puts all the attention on the world championship as well. Listen, I got to fight this guy right now to make sure that I'm the best and that I deserve to fight for the world championship. So, Sean, I'm not fighting you right now, but you're the champ and I got my eyes on you. Mm. Everybody should want to be the world champion, right? 
Absolutely. So before we move on, uh, I want to ask you what your thoughts are on the constant teasing of Brett going to WCW. Do you think that that was something, uh, and now try to put yourself back, you know, 1996, this stuff doesn't happen. It's not like it is today where, oh, everyone's going to AEW, everyone's going to WWE, or who's jumping back and forth. Like, we didn't have that instant notification stuff right now. So, you know, the, and especially the WWF at this time, they never talked about WCW. WCW would always mention WWF. They would always air their spoilers on their show. Um, but WWF never really fired back with the exception of maybe the Huckster and the Nacho Man, which is a whole different <laughs> lesson for another day that we will not get into. That's um, after school so what, class right there. That's, that, yeah, that's extracurricular <laughs> activity. Absolutely. <laughs> um uh, so what's your thought about the constant mentionings here of WCW? Did it make it feel like a bigger deal that Brett decided to stay or did you just think it was kind of stupid? Well, I think coming from a younger fan's perspective, it kind of gets tainted in the fact that I'm used to it already. You know, I'm I'm used to seeing AEW and WWE kind of going at it with, oh, is Punk going to jump over? Is Brian going to jump over? Uh, Bray, Adam Cole, you know, I, I've seen it so much already. I think where it varies and where it differs is that one, it, like you said, it, it doesn't happen, you know, every day that you see your top star potentially jumping ship and then talking about it at the same time, you know, you don't really see, you know, them mentioning, you know, WWE, in this case, WWE mentioning AEW, uh, you see AEW taking shots at WWE, but you don't really see WWE taking the shots. And I think that Brett taking those shots and well, not really shots, but mentioning uh, WCW mentioning the contract. I think like I keep saying, it keeps blurring the line and it makes it much more real than just something that's being presented on TV. So I love that Brett is also in this spot to do it because if you're going to take your top guy and, you know, put him in that position, who better than Brett? He's the top guy at this point. He just lost his title. You can make the argument that he was screwed because of the uh, after the 60 minute Ironman match. You know, he keeps going like he mentions in his promo that he wasn't ready for the overtime or whatever. Uh, so you can make that argument. And it I think it just makes sense. And it makes it that much better that it's Brett in this position. And I love it. I love that little detail, too, that he mentioned. You know, I never trained for 61 minutes. I trained for 60 Right. He's like, my strategy was to wait until Sean made a mistake. And I knew he would because I know him because I fought him before. And he did. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't going anywhere. That match was over. So uh, that was such a great way to save Brett in a loss while they still put over Sean and gave him that moment. And I love that it's something that Brett never forgot. You know, it's mm -hmm. something that we don't see in today's wrestling. And I will use the example of Kofi Kingston losing the world title. The very next week he came out smiling and throwing pancakes again. Like, Where's the anger? Bret Hart held on to that for six months. He's still pissed off about yeah. it. <laughs> Come on, guys. Make that belt mean something important. Make it mean something important. We're going to sidebar here for a minute, and I want to talk about who I think is the unsung MVP of this entire buildup, and we're going to go into a little bit of deep dive on Brian Pillman. Dark horse in this feud. Absolutely. And I, there were points I, when I was watching this and I was like, damn, I kind of wish that this was Pillman and, and Austin going at it. Right. Yeah. Now. I was going to, I definitely wanted to bring this up on here that with everything that was going on in this feud, you would think that this was Pillman and Austin. Did they ever get like a pay-per-view match between these two? Cause I know I, I was searching around and I know that they wrestled on raw, but did they ever that get like it. that paper? That was it. Damn. So, 
let, let, let's give a little history on Brian Pillman here for, for the classroom. Uh, unfortunately, by the time Brian Pillman signed with the WWF, he was in bad shape. Um, but his career in WCW, this guy is, he is fantastic. Um, one of the best high flyers of the early 90s. Legendary matches with Jushin Thunder Liger, which will be a homework assignment for us at some point. Don't worry. Um, Pillman worked. I'm sure you've heard the story about how Pillman got out of his WCW contract, right? Yes. For anyone that doesn't know, Pillman tricked Eric Bischoff. He said he was doing this loose cannon character. People were believing it. He was doing crazy things on air. And he actually got Eric Bischoff to give him a release in real life to make the angle believable. And then Pillman went and signed a, the very first guaranteed contract or the second guaranteed contract <laughs> for big time money in the WWF. That's unbelievable. But unfortunately, while this was happening, he got into a serious car accident and absolutely destroyed his ankle. And, and this was the legit uh, Pillman. Uh, and we're going to get into the Pillmanizer promo in a minute here. Um, but Pillman had to go and get reconstructive ankle surgery again, right in the middle of this build. By the time he came back, I think it was six months later after this angle was done, and he obviously was having a hard time moving in the ring. He rushed himself to come back too soon. We got a match between these guys on Monday Night Raw, but unfortunately, Pillman's best days were behind him from an in-ring standpoint here. But he was doing his best work on the microphone. And let's go into the, one of the most famous promos during this whole thing. Uh, Steve Austin breaking Brian Pillman's ankle with the Pillmanizer, as they named it, steel chair around it. Uh, what do you think? Uh, Pillman finally pushed Austin to his breaking point here. How do you think everybody did here? And, and let's talk about Brian Pillman's promos going forward here. Pillman's acting in this specifically is just superb. Selling the ankle, you know, it's just so great. Um, you know, Austin definitely was pushed to his breaking point here. And uh, I love when Brett's, uh, excuse me, when uh, Pillman's like, and Austin's going to go against the best there is, the best there was. And he just clocks him. Oh, I love it. that. Austin had enough. Austin it, had enough of that point. Well, there you have it. Austin versus the best there was, the best there is. Hey, wait a minute! What a cheap shot by Austin! Didn't want to hear that. Austin with a cheap shot on Brian Pillman. Pillman is just getting assaulted here by Austin. Oh, this is this elbow! That was the complete breaking point. Um, yeah, I mean, Pillman, especially in this feud, is one to watch throughout the entirety. Everything that he does, he just makes this feud so much better. Um, and this this was an exact example of that. Uh, I actually had a question that I wanted to bring up to you. Do you think that this feud, as great as it was, would have been as good without the inclusion of Pillman? Or do you think he was the glue to put these two together between Brett and Austin? I think he was a great glue. Um, could this feud have happened without Brian Pillman? Absolutely, it could have happened without Brian Pillman. And, and again, we call him the dark horse because he's kind of the forgotten part of this feud. 
but he did. I think Pillman made this feud extra special. He allowed Austin to show a killer side. Uh, he showed great range and his crazy promos slash sucking up to Brad and Austin. Um, and this was just a great way to show how crazy he would really get uh, the following week before we get to Pillman has a gun though. Bret Hart and Steve Austin have a face-to-face sit-down promo on Monday Night Raw. Um, Steve Austin is in fine form here. After watching these two talk, uh, do you think that Steve Austin really outshines Bret Hart on the microphone here? Like, I I feel like Austin outclassed Bret every way on this. You know, I think it has to do with the, you know, for me, at least, I think Bret is best on the mic when he's real. And when he taps into his heel side, and that's a lot of what we see in this feud is that he's talking about how he gets screwed over. He talks about, you know, uh, everything uh, about, you know, kind of just being screwed over. Um, So I think he's Pat, I'd like his passion, but in this promo, you know, you definitely see a contrast in that Austin is definitely superior when it comes to energy here. Um, and I think that's what makes it so much better for Austin is that he's, you know, cutting uh, Brett's lines. He's, you know, just shooting insults at him as he's talking and Brett is just very composed and calm. Um, and I think that just, you know, adds to, and we'll get into the match, but the vary of styles between these two colliding, uh, which makes it so much better. And not only that, but, you know, getting into what happens after the promo where uh, I guess the uh, one of the producers is counting him down to, you know, go to the next segment and Austin just has none of it. And he's, you know, beating people up backstage, throwing shit on them. Oh, man, I you could tell that there's definitely I think this is where you could definitely see the difference between Brett and Austin if it wasn't, uh, you know, apparent already. So before we get into Pillman Has a Gun, which is the the last big stop on the way to Survivor Series here, as someone who probably only knows Steve Austin as the what guy for his promo ability, what is your takes on watching late 1996 Stone Cold badass Steve Austin on the microphone? Is this something that surprised you? Have you ever seen this side of Austin before? Or do you just know him as the fun what guy? Well, I knew him as both really you know i knew a little bit about his heel run but like you know i'm more accustomed to seeing the what guy i guess if you want to call him because even when he comes back you know when he does those appearances at the legends nights or whatever uh, and i can't believe i'm bringing up like raw legends nights on this podcast but you know whenever he comes back you know he taps into that face you know what you know and all those different give me a hell yeah whatever um so to see this is definitely on the same level of energy and it you know it's definitely still stone cold but i actually really liked heel stone cold a lot more than i did uh you know seeing the what stone cold i guess mm-hmm. uh that's even little things on like you know it wasn't always that's the bottom line because stone cold said so he was just saying and that's the bottom line and that was it i i, I don't know i like that and it just adds uh, to that kind of vibe about him. Uh, so yeah, I mean, definitely a contrast, uh, in that, I guess he didn't rely. I don't, I think the difference is that face stone cold kind of relied, not really relied cause he's great on the great on the mic regardless, but I think he relied more on his catchphrases, whereas heel Austin relied on those one-liners, you know, if you put ass in yeah. front of him, man, uh, you know, where we mentioned off camera, the gorilla monsoon line, uh, which we'll yeah. talk about in the next episode. Um, Absolutely. 
And, you know, I think that just adds to his heel persona and makes that difference much more apparent. And I love that. I love this heel Austin. Um, Yeah. I mean, so great on the mic. So very famous moment in Monday Night Raw history. Uh, Brian Pillman has a gun. Steve is a dead man walking because when Austin 316 meets Pillman. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to blast his service straight to hell. Steve Austin's out there now, man. What? Brian Pillman. Kevin, oh, come on. Vince, all right, we heard Stone Cold Steve Austin outside. He's been making his way around all the way to the back of the house, screaming and yelling. Pillman's got this pistol out, and I don't know what the hell is going on here. This is ridiculous. Pillman's got this. What the? What the hell is that? Somebody call the police. That's Austin. Get out of that stick. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. Mm. I'm not going to say anything about it. I need to know what your take is on this because this is batshit crazy. And this is 1996 or 90. They almost got thrown off the USA network for this. Right. I remember, I think the first thing I texted you after this was just like, wow. What makes this segment so great is not just when he pulls out the gun, but everything before and after that. I think the commercial placements and when they cut to commercial just add so much to it as if I was if I was watching this in 96 live, I'm glued to the TV. The remote isn't even in my hand. You know, they cut to commercial right after Austin beats uh, Pillman's friends outside, you know, throws and the he stuff. He laid a on. whooping on them as a shoot. Too, yeah. He was, oh, man. <laughs> he was stiff on those guys. He was, oh, so great. You know, he's beating them up. Then they cut to commercial, you know, and we don't even see Pillman at this point. Then everything happens with the gun and, you know, just they keep cutting in and out of the feed. Uh, I think commentary adds a lot to this too, as they don't even know what's really happening. You know, you hear uh, Vincent, right? It was Vincent Jr. on on the call, and they were like, "What?" And then the King was on there too. Oh yeah, and you know they're just like, "What's going on? We can't see anything." They're trying to get to uh, Kevin yeah. Kelly. They're like, "What?" Lawler's yelling, "Call the cops!" Call the cops! Oh, so great. I mean, Pillman here is as real, and I keep saying the word real, but there's no other way to explain it. This is as real as it gets. And I even put in my notes here, you know, I mentioned it before. I wish after this segment that we saw Austin versus Pillman at Survivor Series and not, or, you know, throw Brett in there for a triple threat. But I really wanted to see Pillman and Austin go at it on a big stage. And the fact that we were never able to see that is just heartbreaking. Um, It was just, this was obviously the highlight of the whole feud for me. I think it's just funny that the highlight of this feud, Brett wasn't even in. You know, this was Mm -hmm. all Austin and Pillman. Um, And I think that was uh, just added so much to Austin specifically, um, because I think now that gives him even more credibility to go into this Brett match and really see him as a threat, um, as if his, you know, promo ability wasn't enough. You know, actions speak louder than words. And so this was a perfect example of now you've built up a credible threat to go up against probably arguably the top guy in the company at this point, uh, the top face, I should say in Bret Hart. Um, I actually had another question like how, because I think this was the last segment that we saw before we go into the match. How Mm -hmm. does Bret react to this? Does he react to it at all? Does this play into the match or 
never says anything about it as far as I've seen or, or heard. They just I think that that's funny because it also plays into, you know, Pillman's the one that's kind of torn between these two and that Brett and Austin, they don't really care to begin with. You know, I think uh, that adds that. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. And that's it. And and so that's the build up here. So before we get into the match, uh, final thoughts and overall um, opinions on the build up leading up to this match. Uh, You know, they, they really only, only built the match up between Brett and Austin for a month and a half, maybe leading up to the match with those two being involved with each other, but it's a whole year long story here uh, with these guys and their individual past. So, so what's your takes? Are you excited heading into this match now after watching all the build? Oh, I was so excited going into this match. I mean, they just pulled it off so perfectly. You know, I, I feel like it was like a slow burn almost to get to that final moment where it's, you know, you see Brett coming back. You see Austin challenging him. You see Brett challenging Austin going back and forth with the war of words. And then Pillman gets thrown in there and it just explodes into a great buildup. Um, honestly, this has to be one of the best buildups and uh, rivalries to a match that I've ever seen, you know, and be it, I haven't seen a lot of them, um, but you know, this has to be up and there. Yeah, (laughs) we wouldn't be in the classroom if I had seen a lot more. But, um, you know, I think this is going to stand up against the rest of these builds that we're going to see in the classroom. I don't think you can do it as near perfectly as they did right here. Um, So the build itself, you know, I would give if I'm going to you know, give a classroom grade, I guess I would give this an A plus. It was a slow burn. It was leading up to one of the most real and iconic moments that you will probably ever see in Pillman Has a Gun. A-plus for the build itself. Live from New York, Milton Bradley Karate Fighters presents the 1996 WWF Survivor Series. And that is going to take us to November the 17th, 1996 as bret hart said it in the pre-match promo it's not a church but it's holy ground we're inside madison square garden anthony i'm going to turn uh the classroom over to you now and uh and give me your thoughts on your first time watching this match uh any notes that you have and and i'll jump in and and, you know kind of take the ship here absolutely so yeah i mean we were at madison square garden which you know home territory for me i guess um so it was it was cool to see them facing in the garden um i always am torn about slow build matches because i'm impatient (laughs) so um i didn't know if i was going to like this match right from the jump it was only until about three to five minutes in that i'm already hooked and by that point, we're still slow building. You know, it's still just like the little teases, nothing much, you know, working arms. But mm-hmm. what really got me invested was, uh, you know, this, like I said, the slow pace. Austin, I, I like in wrestling when there's a lot of psychology in working certain parts of the body. And Austin does that a lot working Brett's neck, um, which I think is just if you go back and you just focus on that aspect, it really just adds to the rest of the story there. You know, Austin working the neck and really just the slow build. You could see the emotion from both guys. Um, 
And that makes like the small burst of action that happened within these first few minutes that much better because, you know, you're just seeing these guys just kind of work each other, get getting a feel for the match. But then you see like, you know, uh, like a stun gun real quick or, you know, something quick. And it's like, oh, I, w- I want to see more of that. I'm going to keep watching. Um I also have a little note here that's labeled Brett's little things uh, because I think it's always important to kind of mention how great Brett is at the little things in wrestling. Um, Like I wrote Austin backs Brett into the corner. Uh, Oh, excuse me. Austin is backed into the corner and Brett kind of goes back to the middle of the ring and it's kind of like get back in the middle of the ring, you know, kind of just adding to that baby face mentality Mm -hmm. of, you know, very respectable, uh, which even adds to the feud later on, Um, you know, whenever he hits the turnbuckles after an Irish whip, so good. He hits it with such authority. That Um, front bump. Yeah. Oh man. So great. Even the back bump too. Like you yeah. can hear like the, like, boom, he hits yeah. it hard. Um, I even love the move, the kind of, they meant, they said it was like a kidney first um, into the ring post when he Irish whips him and Brett yeah, kind of yeah. stumbles, you know, uh, lower back or kidney first. Love that move. Here we go. The hitman now for the ride. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh my gosh. Brett's leg gave way. That knee gave way and Brett went kidneys first into the ring post. I'm not so sure that that didn't result in a cracked rib. Um, so yeah, just those little things that just add a lot to the match itself. What really got me going in that, like, I really love this match was once they go on the outside, because once they get out the ring and they start, you know, doing all the, all this stuff, you know, going fighting under the announcer's table, which I thought was great, you know, going, uh, up against the guardrail, taking down the guardrail, um, you know, that's really when, I also love that, uh, you know, the referee, Tim White, kind of just lets them go at it. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I like that, you know, kind of to bring in AEW for a minute. But uh, the refereeing, right, it's always people consider it a problem all the time. Um, I honestly don't mind that they let these guys go on the outside and fight a lot because that just adds to the story. If you've got a really good build, you know, you want these guys to have a huge fight. You know, you don't want to see uh, technical wrestling moves for 25 minutes. You want to see these guys go at it. And with the build that we've got, I just gave it an A plus. You want these guys to go at each other. So going and fighting yeah. on the outside, 100% made this match, uh, you know, really brought me into it. can't believe that Bret Hart was slingshotted right over the, uh, the announce position. It seems like it always happens to the Spanish guy. Um, and, you know, I like the another kind of little thing in that Austin waits a little too long after the stunner before Bret kicks out, because I think that's a problem in wrestling now, too, is that you'll see uh, finisher span matches in that you know, you do your finisher, you do your finisher, you pin him immediately and he kicks out at two. Like you need to make it a little more realistic, you know, yeah. give him a little protect time to kick, protect the finish. Exactly. You know, I like the wait time. It just makes, you know, quick kickouts. We see them all the time. Uh, I think this was just perfect. It, it told a little bit more of a story and that Austin, uh, you know, waited too long. I love that. Um and uh, I like how at around the like 80 to 90% mark uh, of the match, you know, Austin and Brett, they're hitting these big moves. 
Uh, but Austin is still kind of narrowing in on like the single body part. Like he hits mm-hmm. the, uh, he does, I remember he does like an abdominal stretch uh, right before he hits the superplex, which I think yeah. is just a little, you know, kind of detail that, you know, you focus in on a body part before you hit a big move, which I love. Like this is a key to uh, really what I, I love JR's call. I love JR's call on the superplex too. That takes a hell lot. That takes a hell of a lot out of both guys right now. Jim Ross was fantastic in this match. Yeah, the commentary definitely added a lot. Um, and even you know after the superplex, like we mentioned, that lower back Irish whip. Because I'm going to keep bringing it up because I love it so much. You don't see that mm-hmm. nowadays. Um, you know, with Brett just sliding under the bottom rope, so good. Um, Brett was and- good at little things like that. Yeah, and I think whenever we have another one of these Brett matches, I'm sure I'm going to keep bringing it up um, of just those things that he does. And the finish, you know, it protects Austin. It makes Brett, you know, kind of get the one up on him. And I think most importantly, it keeps the feud going because there's not a clean finish here. You want to see these guys go at it again. And spoiler, they will. Um, Well, it was a clean finish show, but it was Austin made a mistake. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like like it was right in the middle of the ring, but it's like Austin and Jim Ross was right there. All he had to do was let the move go. And like Austin knew he screwed up. And I, I love how when Austin left the ring, he did not stop looking at Bret Hart. you knew that these guys were not going to be done yet. And, and Jim Ross mentioned that he hasn't taken his eyes off them. Like that's the way to, you know, you don't just lose the match and roll away and be like, Oh, I lost whatever. That's right. what they do now. Right. Losses. Mm-hmm. People don't care if they lose. Austin was devastated by this loss. You know, you can't tell a better story in a match like you told here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was just a slow build up to a really great finish the outside work was amazing. Um, my favorite parts I wrote down are just, you know, the fighting on the outside just looked so explosive, which I really think brought the crowd into it a lot. Um, you know, and that'll always work the crowd going on the outside, fighting in the you know announcer's table, whatever. Um, yeah. Austin working the neck just kept me invested in that early stages of the match. And I think that's so important is you want something that'll keep you invested, even when it's a slow build, you know, you want something that's going to be like, okay, well, this is going to play later on in the match. And it did, which I love. So those little things in wrestling, I just love a lot. And I mentioned it earlier on in the episode, but I just can't get over the contrasting styles here. You know, Austin, much more explosive, Brett, much more technical based, but what I think is even better is that as the match progresses, you start to see kind of a switch and that Austin is more of that technical, you know, working the body parts and whatever. And Brett is the one that's kind of being very explosive, you know, fighting under the announce table. I love that so much. Um, Five-star match. I don't know if uh, our best friend Dave Meltzer gave this a five-star, but I don't know how you can't. Uh, I guess more fitting to the classroom, A+. plus. So an A-plus build and an A-plus match, you can't get much better than this. The only thing uh, that makes me kind of want to lean 
to more of an A or a four and a half star is that around the 75% mark of the match, I don't know what it was, but it just felt a little off for me. I don't know if that was like, it was just a part between uh, fighting on the outside and in between uh, when Austin starts doing like the abdominal stretch and, you know, throwing him to the turnbuckle. There's a little part that I just couldn't tell what was wrong with it. So maybe that'll take me away from it, but I have to give this an A plus such a great match. And it was going to be hard for them to top this one at their next match. Yeah. Uh, Part of the match I really liked is um, they they had two kind of like, almost like fist fights in the middle of the match. And Austin yes. took the first one and Brett took the second one. And I yes. just thought that was such a Very great true. way to turn the intensity up on that. It's a fist fight. We're trading points again. They're going. And then Madison's quicker quicker than Brett Hart. Brett Hart's winning this fist fight. Round two. Brett Hart. He's lucky Vander Holyfield. He won't quit. He doesn't know how to quit. And another point that you made is the contrast that these guys have, you know, Brett being the technical guy and Austin being the fighter. And that is such a contrast in their characters as well. Going into this, Brett Hart is the hero. I want to be your hero. And Steve Austin doesn't give a shit about anybody. And he's the badass. Right. Right. And I, and I like how that, and I mentioned that because when we uh, assemble for class next week, there's going to be a big focal point based all around that mind frame. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, great point there and that it's not only brett switching to that explosiveness in the match you're going to see it in the rest of this feud leading up to wrestlemania 13 there's a definite switch in brett and i don't know how we're going to top this next week but something tells me we might for wrestlemania 13 but such a great way to start off absolutely absolutely uh so before we get ready to wrap up class today is there any other questions that need to be answered about anything about part one of Bret Hart and Steve Austin? You know, I think we answered all the questions that I had. I just really can't get over how just perfect this uh, first feud and how amazing this first match was. Everything from the realism to uh, Pillman to everything with McMahon. There were just these little things that kept adding up to this perfect way to end off as great of a feud as we got. And I might be, you know, I don't think I'm overhyping it because I feel like I'm very uh, positive to start off with, but there's no way that you could overhype this. I think the hype is definitely uh, well, at- uh, well attributed to this. Um, yeah. I mean, no, no further questions. I think we're good to go. Um, but pff, such a barn burner. As we wrap up class this week, then, Bret Hart is your new number one contender for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Stone Cold Steve Austin is uh, devastated and becoming obsessive in defeat. Our homework for next week, then, we're going to pick up uh, from December of 1996 and go all the way until WrestleMania 13. Uh, That will be the homework for next week. Uh, The clips will be in links below everywhere. And uh, on behalf of the prodigy, Anthony, Professor Tyler is dismissing class this week. Class has been dismissed.